All set, DJ? Okay. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day just to be alive, to be here, to learn your plan for us, that we are not here without purpose, but we are here with great purpose. And we thank you for guiding us and directing us by your word, by our faithful pastor, by your Holy Spirit, all the things you've provided us to learn your plan and, and see the magnitude of it. And we thank you at this point right now, most of all, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to make this all possible, to save us from sin and death forever, so that we could have new life in Him and that we can live for you and have eternal value to our lives. Father, we ask that you bless us all right now, that you guide us and help us to concentrate and open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you have to say today. We know none of these messages are without purpose and you're guiding it all. We ask all these things, Father, based on the merits of our precious Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Okay, family discipline applied. Sounds like a fun subject, right? <laughs> Everybody ready? It is, it is a good subject, a very good subject. It's not always fun, but it's always good, as we're going to see. So, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Collins for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit, which God has ordained from eternity past. Uh, it's nothing less than a privilege to be able to do this thing. Um, I try never, ever to take it for granted, because who the heck am I? And that he lets me stand up here and serve him and serve his people, it's a crazy privilege. So uh, I'm very grateful. Um, we're not here right now by coincidence. We're here by God's predestined plan for all of us, every single one of us that are here and that are listening today. And we're blessed also to have a pastor and a ministry that brings forth the truth of God's word without compromise. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I take that for granted, but it's a, it's a real shame to do that because it's a real rarity in this world and even in Christianity to have God's truth, God's word taught without compromise, without any kind of games or hidden agendas, you know, uh, with love and honesty. And even though it hurts sometimes when we're totally honest, it's very good. It's true. And we should be really grateful for that. So I hope you all feel the same way about this ministry and our dear pastor. We are truly blessed. And is it difficult sometimes? Are the messages difficult sometimes? <laughs> right? Family discipline applied, right? In one way. It's not easy. But is it good? Uh, yes, it's good. It's like any worthwhile relationship in life. It's not easy, but it's good. Like it becomes real and solid and true and faithful. Would it be easier to go to a church that's all peaches and cream, but doesn't challenge you with the truth? Sure it would, right? But we might be found, listen to this, we might be found ignoring God's call on our life. We might lose out on eternal value that we could have lived in and produced for God, like good fruit, real good fruit in God's eyes, by going to a, let's just call it a watered-down church, since we've used that terminology before. Uh, I, don't, I don't want that. I mean, my flesh wants that, right? Let's just go and eat cake and get a nice short message and a lot of songs. Your flesh wants that because it's not challenging. Your flesh doesn't want to be challenged. But we really got to appreciate that a church like this helps us follow God's call in our lives before our time is up. Amen? 
I mean, our time could be up tomorrow, tonight. Any one of us, no matter how young you are. I want it to count in God's eyes, not in my own eyes. So on the board, uh, regarding a watered-down church, we would be missing out on God's training us for His glorification, first of all. For example, Romans 11.36. And we would be missing out on running the race, fighting the good fight of faith, and receiving the prize. I mean, honestly, do any of you really want to miss out on that at the end of the day, at the end of your life? Do you really want to be found to be missing out on that journey and challenge and mission that God had for you? Uh, if you want to be encouraged, go home and look up these passages that are on the board. We're not going to get into them this morning. But if you want to like, be reminded of your purpose in life and you think life has no purpose for you, go look up these verses on the board. And just take them in and pray about them. Because you will be encouraged. For example, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Philippians 3, 14. James 1, 12. Again, if you want a watered-down church, or you think you do, you'd be missing out on God's training you for His glorification and missing out on running the race, fighting the good fight of faith, and receiving the prize. Also, please never lose sight of the following passage on the board regarding the purpose of this ministry and the purpose of our topic today even, family discipline applied. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This passage is found on our church website so that we don't forget it. There's a pure goal of this ministry, starting from our pastor on down, to, to obey and, and to have this come forth in this ministry from a pure heart a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The spiritual life, my friends, is not a joke. It's not a, like something to do in your, in your off time. It's not a game. It's not a hobby. It's not an elixir so that you can have an easy life on earth. On the contrary, it's the opposite. That's not God's call or purpose for us in this world. The devil is real and he's loose according to the Bible. He's not in prison. He's not in hell right now. He's loose and he's constantly trying to deceive and manipulate us through the ways of the world and through our flesh. He's constantly trying to deceive and manipulate us. If that's true, then we better be trained up to learn what to watch out for so we don't fall for his traps, right? He does not want us to bring glory to God with our lives. God's given us that opportunity, but he does not want us at the end of our life to have all this stuff behind us that we, that we did by faith, that we obeyed, that we followed him, that we loved Christ. Satan does not want us to come to the end of our lives to be able to say that. And especially to be able to go to heaven and say, look at all this fruit I did for you, Lord. Look at all this obedience I, I gave you and laid down my life for you in some way. Satan does not want us to be victorious experientially, right? Thank God we're victorious through Christ with salvation. But he doesn't want us to live it and to bring glory to God. So there's a lot at stake there's a lot at stake. A lot of churches won't talk about this stuff. And this is another reason for this passage on the board, which we've seen over and over the last few weeks. On the board, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
I don't know about you, but that is a daily challenge for me. Uh, will I make the best use of my time? Am I wasting my time? Am I not wasting my time, right? How much time is okay for recreation? How much time am I, am I just really wasting it? Um, will we be found, you know, with God looking at us one day saying, really? <laughs> you did that with your time all that time? Um, again, it's a journey. It's a daily battle, isn't it? If you're honest. But this is why we have this warning right here, so that we don't waste our time. So I hope and pray everyone listening is grateful for what God has given us here at North Christian Church and that we appreciate the constant seeking of His grace and truth without any games and gimmicks. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Give you the benefit of the doubt. I caught you off guard. So before we dive into our topic this week, the Spirit wants me to review a principle that has come up the last few messages. And that is the idea of having intent when we read our Bibles. What's your intent in that moment that you open up your Bibles? So on the board, what's your intent? For example, is it to placate God so that He's not angry with you? Or is it to discover more of Him and grow closer to your Father in heaven. When you open up that Bible, whenever, whenever you're at home and you're like, okay, I got to do this. What's on your mind? What's your intent? What's your goal? What's your attitude? Is it to just do this thing to, you know, please God enough so that he leaves you alone? Or is it to discover more of him and grow closer to your Father in heaven? I think of James 4.8. I read it last night in my Bible reading. Um, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. He's waiting for right, our free will, our heart, to approach Him the right way and be like, I really actually want to know you more. Draw to near, near to God, He'll draw near to you. What's your intent? As we well know by now, God looks at the heart in all that we do. So what do we mean by uh, this word intent when reading our Bibles? Maybe this analogy will help. Let me explain it this way. Uh, see if this helps you see what we're talking about here as you open up the book and look at the pages. Have you ever purchased something you had to put together? Have you ever purchased something you didn't want to purchase because you had to put it together? <laughs> One of my weaknesses, I hate this. Maybe a piece of furniture, an exercise machine, even a toy of some kind, maybe a gas grill, ugh, right? Pieces and pieces and pieces. You're like, how is this actually going to work? So there you sit on the floor with all these parts and tools, and nuts, and bolts, and you pick up the instruction manual, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Some of us guys are too arrogant to do that. But you pick up the instruction manual. Would you ever read the instruction manual in that moment without the intent of understanding it and doing it? Wouldn't that be, like, really foolish? Would you ever pick up that little tiny print instruction manual without the intent, right in that moment, of learning it and doing it? You, that'd, be, that'd be so foolish. Imagine reading an instruction manual just to read it. Maybe it's good if you're trying to go to sleep, right? But is there anything more of a waste of time? Can you imagine just reading through the whole thing because the thing tells you to read it? but you don't actually do it with the right intent. So then when you're done with it, you say, oh, good, I'm done with it. Now, what do I do with all these pieces? Such a waste of time. It would be useless to read it without the intent of understanding it and following it. And isn't it interesting, too, in the same analogy, when you read an instruction manual, you read small parts of it at a time, and then you put it down, and you actually do 
what you just learned. Think about how you approach your Bible. When you open your Bible, is that the approach you have? Because one valid way to look at the Bible is that it's God's instruction manual for us on earth. That's how he speaks to us. That's how he instructs us. Does it not guide us and instruct us on how to think, speak, and do all to the glory of God? If that's true, why would we ever read it without the intent of understanding it and doing it? What the, the heck are we doing? How foolish. Of course I want to understand it and do it. Why am I reading this otherwise? To gain knowledge? To have something memorized that I don't understand? To be able to quote my favorite verses to get out of certain things I don't want to do? The power, as we've been learning, and as we well know, is in the Word of God. But only if we seek the truth and obey it. There's no power in it. Like, Satan's got the thing memorized. There's no power in it if you don't have the right intent and, and intend on obeying it, on doing it. That's where the power is. In other words, do you read your Bible out of duty? Or out of love? What's your motivation? When you open up that book, what's your attitude? Are you doing it out of this school-like, you know, when the teacher makes you do something? Homework kind of an attitude? Or are you doing it because you really want to learn about the one who loved you enough to die for you? And this is a test for all of us, by the way. I'm not talking down to you, trust me. Because, you know, we all battle with that. Uh, we all like to get religious, which would be opening up the thing just to say I did it. And to hopefully God's okay with me now and I can go do whatever the heck I want. That's a religious approach. That's a religious intent. But if your intent is love, if your intent is to get to know the one that loved you first... That makes all the difference in the world. And then, you know what? God can teach us. God can show us things. He's not going to show us things when we're arrogant or selfishly going into it for our own, you know, appeasement of him. He's not going to show us things. But when you're humble before him, when you go to him with that right intention, I want to know, Lord, I want to see you. Show me something more about you. When you go with that intention, he shows you. Funny thing, God gives grace to the humble. So that's why this is such a wonderful discussion that God has brought this up with us lately. Is your motivation to please God and to get to know Him better and to see more of Him? It is a daily test to have the right intentions. It's a test of faith, isn't it? We might say. So that's why it's a good idea every time we read our Bibles to first bow our heads and humble ourselves before him. Just quickly even, asking him, Lord, show me your glory. Show me what you want me to see. Reveal things to me in the spiritual realm that I don't see. Because we all don't see it all. What do we hear on Thursday? It was expressed like this from our pastor on the board. Read your Bible with intent and humility. Read your Bible with intent and humility. So the Spirit wants to review three passages with us before we go on, on this topic. Because without good intentions towards God's Word, we shouldn't expect things to work out in our lives. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 8.28 first. Romans 8.28. Again, without good intentions towards God and His Word, we shouldn't expect things to work out in our lives. This came out on um, Thursday in, in our message. Why do you expect good things from God if your attitude's all off? 
all about you, all about religious activity. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Again, the question we, we had a couple minutes ago, are you reading your Bible out of duty or out of love for God? Out of gratitude for what he did for you on the cross? If this is our intent, all things will work out together for good in our lives because we love God. Isn't that a show of love? <laughs> when you have a good intention towards someone, like you intend on really helping them instead of intending to get something from somebody? God knows your heart, right? So all things will work out for good in your lives when you have this attitude. You'll be blessed, especially in your spirit, in your soul, where true blessings reside. I know I've mentioned this before, but imagine if you really could sit on an ash heap like Job and be happy. I mean, truly be happy, totally content, and not care about anything. Kind of like a little kid who doesn't care about the details of life, just runs around and plays. That's the type of faith, the childlike faith God wants us to have, and that's the kind of peace he wants us to have. Those spiritual blessings are priceless, aren't they? To really, when you have those moments of peace and clarity, and you're like, nothing else really bothers me. So this is where intentions come in. We've also been hearing that the power is in the word, it's the word that reveals the truth in our own lives, opening our eyes to what we think and do, both right and wrong. Go to Hebrews 4.12. This is our second passage in this little review about our intentions. Hebrews 4.12. What else does the word reveal for us? or discern for us? The answer is in this verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word reveals <laughs> even where we're thinking wrongly. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If we read the word with a desire to know God better, we will be blessed. But if our intentions are superficial, we will not grow and we will not be set free with the peace of Christ. He doesn't give grace to the arrogant or the stubborn. He gives grace to the humble. If we read the word with a desire to know God better, we will be blessed in every area of our lives. Maybe not immediately and maybe not the way we think of being blessed is, <laughs> like money, right? If our intentions are superficial, we're not going to grow and we're not going to share in the peace of Christ. So the third passage on this subject, before we dive into our main subject today, go to James 1, 29. James 1, 29. I'm sorry, James 1, 19. James 1, 19. And we're going to read this passage in context. We were here on Thursday and Sunday last week, I believe. And we're going to add something to it that, that the Spirit wants to bring out. James 1.19 Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save or deliver your souls. Here again, we are reminded, if we want to be delivered, if we want to be set free each day and possess His peace, we need to humbly 
receive His Word, allowing it to be planted in our hearts, allowing it to take root. What do you think implanted means, right? Not like the parable of the soils where some of the seed fell on the hard ground and the birds just came up and ate it up, or it, it fell on the ground and then it didn't take root so the sun just burned it up. Don't be that person who is wasting their time in a religious way or possibly even unsaved. What does it say? Receive with meekness the implanted word. Meekness is like humility, right? Receive whatever you read with the intention of doing it, following the instructions. And if that's how you receive it, you will be blessed. It will deliver your soul. We're talking supernatural peace, my friends. Who doesn't want that? Now look how the passage goes on. And it mentions our intentions. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, this is a very interesting uh, Greek word here. You see in verse 25 where it says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Isn't that the word of God? Isn't, isn't the law of liberty and the law of love that we're supposed to live in right here? As we read, especially the New Testament. So, look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and not only hear it, but do it, right? On the board, here's the Greek word. Well, actually, first, let me give you the New American Standard translation on the board, James 1.22. This is the New American Standard updated version. But one who looks intently, they translate it that way, you're going to see why in a minute, but with intent, with intent of what? Learning and obeying the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, right? Does it? Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Now on the board, the Greek word for looks in this passage, in James 1.22, is parakupto. And it means to bend beside. For example, to lean over so as to peer within. When you find a treasure on the ground, let's say, right? You walk upon a, some kind of a treasure. Do you just stand there and look down at it? Or do you get down on your knees and peer in and discover what's there? Of course you do the latter. So do you paracupto? Do you bend over and lean over and peer into the Word of God when you open the book? Or do you just stand up and pretend it's not really a treasure with things to reveal to you and discover? I hope that visual aid helps you see how we should be reading our Bibles. Look intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Peer into to discover something new every day. How about that? An endless treasure. Imagine like finding a treasure chest, one of those old pirate chests. And when you start taking stuff out, there's kind of like a hole in the bottom. And you keep taking more stuff out, and it never, ever ends. That's the Word of God. But if you don't open the lid and get down on your knees and peer in, you're not going to find anything. He won't give grace to the humble. Uh, to the arrogant, I'm sorry. He'll only give it to the humble. So our intentions are to understand God's word and do it. And that's when we're blessed. But again, if our intentions are to do our duty and then play games with what we read, and be like, ah, I didn't really say that, or like pastor says, la, 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 I didn't hear that, see that, read that. I'm going to skip over that one. If we play games, we're not going to be blessed. We're going to be cursed. 
We're going we're gonna to lack the peace of Christ that we keep reading about. He's not going to give it to us. Does that make sense? It's just like an obedient child in a family, right? An obedient child gets blessed. The disobedient child doesn't in many ways, even in ways that, that they don't realize. So I hope and pray we all think about this. Uh, this is a key to enjoying the liberty and the love that Christ died for. He wants us to experience the freedom and the joy and the love, but there's a prerequisite, you know? It's what's your heart? How are you approaching me? And then, of course, to cap it all off, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Think about that calling in John 15, 12. Love one another as I have loved you. You mean he wants me to love you the same way he loved me? I can't do that. That's impossible. But with the word, it's possible. You need the supernatural intervention of the word humbly received and implanted in your soul to be able to love like he loves. Amen? How the heck are we going to do that otherwise? But only with humility. How did Jesus love us? With total unselfishness and sacrifice. Supernatural. And the power is in the word when we receive it in humility. All right, so let's uh, get into, that was just a review of the topic of our intentions. Let's dive into our family discipline applied subject this week. And think about humbly receiving the word implanted as we go forward, even with this subject right now. Okay. So first of all, on the board, we're talking about both today and on Thursday night, God willing, we're talking about family discipline applied. The faithfulness of our God disciplines us when we need it out of his tremendous love for us. And honestly, this is something we need to get straight in our heads. That discipline which could often be harsh or painful, is actually from love, from a root of love. Until we buy into this and believe this properly, we're not going to be taking advantage of it and enjoying the fruit of it, as we're going to see. We've talked a lot over the past month about family and discipline and its priceless value in our lives. So again, on the board, the faithfulness of our God disciplines us when we need it out of his tremendous love for us. Now, here's the next principle I want you to just think about as we dive into this subject on the board. Family discipline applied. Godly discipline ensures we don't just waste our lives away and have regrets for all eternity. Step back and look at the big picture, right? We're all going to die one day, and we're all going to see God and be with Him forever and ever by the grace of God. I don't want to have any regrets. Step back and look at the big picture and be like, okay, am I obeying Ephesians 5 and making the best use of my time because the days are evil? Am I going to have regrets with the current lifestyle I have going? Am I wasting what God has given me. And you know what? Godly discipline, which we all need at times, is what's going to ensure that we don't waste our lives away and have regrets. And that's why we should be thankful for it. A good father guides and directs his children. Directs his children. Right? Same with a good mother. Guides and directs her children. Why? in hopes that that boy or girl grows up to be a good man or woman of God. Why do they do it? Why do they invest in their children? Why do they bring themselves pain and suffering by disciplining their children? Because it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Why do they do that? For the benefit in the end of the child to be a good man or woman of God, right? To grow up in the faith, to be someone that's honorable, and pleases God with their life? 
And that's the same goal and desire God the Father has for us. He's always trying to get us to grow up, to see the, the whole truth, to see where we're off, and to correct us so that we can be someone that really brings Him glory. So you might be someone who's living for yourself right now, right? The self-life. You might be living for self, trying to make the most of this life for yourself as though it's all about you. Or maybe you're trying to keep your life as comfortable and problem-free as possible, right? There's something to be said for that in a way, right? Keeping your life simple and just following God. But if it's all about yourself and making yourself comfortable, that's not right. So by the love and faithfulness of God, you will be disciplined if you don't see you're deceived in a certain area of your life. By the love and faithfulness of God, he will discipline you. And it is a very good thing because you don't want to grow up and be that bratty child that becomes a bratty adult, do you? And it brings no glory to God and it's kind of like a jerk to everybody and a pain to everybody. You want to grow up and be an honorable man or woman of God. And so discipline is a must. And that only comes from a root of love. True discipline, good discipline only comes from a root of love. So God will wake you up. He'll wake us up, even painfully, to snap us out of something so that you don't have regrets for all eternity. So that you bring Him glory. Because we're here with a mission, right? We kind of started this way a little bit. We're here with a mission on the board. We are truly on a mission. We have the greatest purpose in life that we could ever imagine. To bring glory to God in all that we do and to reach out to others with the good news of eternal life. There, there couldn't be a greater uh, purpose and a greater uh, reason for living. You know, some days we wake up, we like, don't feel like waking up, right? Don't want to get out of bed. But if we step back and look at the big picture, I mean, what? this life is not meaningless. God didn't put us here randomly and say, do your best, kids. Hopefully I'll see you one day in heaven. But I'm not going to tell you how either. No, he said, I'm going to tell you how and I'm going to tell you why you're here. And I'm even going to direct you in what I want you to do and how I want you to do it. If you're humble, you'll see it. But don't be mistaken. We have the greatest purpose in life that we can imagine. So I don't know about you, but as a believer, I don't want to wake up in heaven one day and have the Lord reveal to me all the opportunities I pass by because of selfish living or because of willful disobedience. We have a choice. Do you want to be rich and wealthy and prosperous for 80 years, or do you want to be rich and wealthy and prosperous for billions of years? It's such a silly question. So why do we choose the 80 years? Because we don't believe. We don't believe him. We don't believe his word, not fully. Why do we live for ourself and this life if we're only going to get 80 years of potential blessing versus living for God and others and get, getting blessed out of our minds for billions of years. We don't believe. And that's where we got to go home and pray. Because he'll give us more faith if we ask him. But if we really believe that, we wouldn't live for ourselves at all and we'd live for eternity in every area of our life perfectly if we really believe fully and completely and purely, which will never happen in this life, but we can go higher, we can get closer to him and the way Jesus thinks, as we're going to see in a minute, we're supposed to be conformed to Christ. We do not want to waste our time for temporary things, right? And by the grace of God, this is our subject here, by the grace of God, he will help us choose rightly. Even though our flesh is drawn to things like laziness and certain lusts in this life. By the grace of God, he will help us choose rightly. How does he do that? 
Well, by His Word and His Spirit. And when we don't listen, by discipline. And we all need it. The Bible says we all need it. And it's from love. We went over this a few weeks ago, if you remember. In this series, talking about family. And God wants to take us on a little different avenue and a little different perspective in this little series here on family discipline applied. So God, in his faithfulness, will do what he needs to to get us there. Isn't that great? He's saying, I can't get there. I can't do this. Isn't it great that God promises to complete the good work in us? How does he do it? The word and the spirit, and when we don't listen, discipline. And it's all good. He's going to get us, he's going to make us a champion, a spiritual victor in experience, bringing glorification to God. Even though we suck and we can't do it and we're miserable and we're weak, He's going to get us there. And guess what? You see how much God, glory God gets in the end? Do you see how much His grace is boasted about in heaven? Because the angels look at us and say, He got that guy there. Ha! Now that's a miracle. He got that girl there. Did you see what she was doing with her life? That's a miracle. And that's what he's going to do in us if we're humble. And at times we're not, and he disciplines us by faithfulness. So we should be very grateful. You remember Pastor talked about um, one degree of separation a couple weeks ago where this is the pure path to following Christ, right? And you're going that direction, but you're just a little bit off, like one degree. Not much, right? You're doing pretty good, right? But you keep going in that direction, and it keeps getting further and further apart. If you, go, if you go this way for a mile in that direction, and the path's here, you won't even see the path. You're so far in the woods over there, you won't even see the path. You won't even see the yellow brick road that you thought you were on or you were kind of on. You thought you were close, but now all of a sudden you're far away. How does that happen? Well, you know how it happens? If we go unchecked in our lives. We need to be checked by God the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, by our pastor, by our faithful friend in the faith, by our brother and sister in Christ. We all need to be checked at times. Can you imagine your friend seeing that you were this far off and not saying anything? knowing that down the road you're going to not even see the path anymore and your friend didn't say anything? What kind of faithful friend is that? But when God does that to us, sometimes even harshly, like the rod hits us over the head, and you're like, ow, that really hurt. And God says, I know. Are you listening now? Do you see where you're headed? Do you see? Come here, come here, son, come here. Do you see... The edge of the cliff here, that's where you're headed. You didn't see it. Are you grateful now that I hit you on the head? And then you treasure that bump on your head. You're like, yeah, wow, man, thank God he did that. But isn't that the truth about life? The painful truth about life? That's God's magnificent love and faithfulness towards us. So this series on family discipline applied was spawned by the faithfulness of God in my own life personally. Last month, he was so faithful in disciplining me for my poor decisions that I hardly ate for a couple of days. Take out your violins, but don't feel bad, right? I know you don't feel bad anyway, but you know, get the violin out. You say, I'm sorry. You pretend to be sorry. No, but seriously, I hardly ate for a couple days because my stomach was turning so much. And I was really praying because of it. Because of it. I prayed like I haven't prayed in a long time. Because of the discipline I received. Because I was, for the most part, out of line in several areas of my life. This happened all in one week. I was, like, overwhelmed but you should be happy for me because of the peaceful fruit of righteousness that comes out the other side. 
and the freedom and the peace and the, and the humility that God creates in us through that pain. You should be happy for me. And <laughs> you should look forward to it for yourself. Because one day, at times in our lives, we all really need it. And God says, that cliff is coming up on them and they don't see it. I got to do something. And I'm going to do something because I love them. So on the board, God our Father loves us. He will only let us ignore Him or go through the motions for so long before He faithfully acts aggressively on our behalf. You know, we, we, we can go to the Word but not have good intentions, right? Um, we ignore Him in certain areas of our lives, right? And He's only going to let that go on for so long. The easy way is to obey. If you just obey God's word, everything will be well with you. But let's face it, we all need discipline, so that must mean we all disobey at times. So, fine. Awesome. Because it's from a root of love, and God, I want you to get me there, to that end point, that, that conformity to Christ, that victory that brings you glory before I see you. So God, out of his love, is going to do it because he's faithful. And even he'll act aggressively on our behalf so that we wake up and that we grow from it and that we are set free in the end. Anyone else get disciplined like this? <laughs> I'm sure you can think of it at times in your lives. And by the way, we can be ignoring him in certain areas of our lives, even though we are reading our Bibles and coming to church. So don't think I checked off the box. I'm good. No, 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 no. God looks at your heart, right? And God looks at where you're disobeying, even willfully at times. And I'm the perfect illustration that he wanted me to share with you and bring this out to you. Because we all don't realize it at some points, what we are missing or what we are doing wrongly. So it led me to be humble, or should I say I got humbled, and in multiple areas of my life in a short week. I felt like a boxer on the ropes, getting pounded in the stomach on both sides, right? Just trying to stand up. That was what it was like spiritually. And... I'm so thankful for it right now. And this is where this series came from. He wanted me to share this with you so that we all learn from someone else's mistakes and can be spared certain discipline. But if we need it, we need it. God brings all things together for good for those who love him. And not only in our personal lives, but also in this ministry and teachings so that we can learn from one another. So turn again to Romans 8, verse 26. As I grab a Kleenex, Romans 8, 26. We're going to read this passage in context and see what the Spirit shows us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Thank God for that, huh? Do you ever pray and not know what to say? The Spirit is praying for you in that moment. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. For what? To be conformed to the image of His Son 
in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. How? By conforming us to the image of his son. This is a process, everybody. There's a process. Why does God give us so many years on earth? Because we need time to learn and absorb and grow and learn and absorb and grow. It's a process. And God promises to complete the good work in us, which should be a great relief to us. That it's not dependent on our ability. It's dependent on God's faithfulness. But this includes family discipline applied to our lives. That's one vital way he works all these things out for us, for good. That's one thing he uses. So do you see the value of being disciplined? Do you see the value of being rebuked or corrected at times? How else are we going to grow and be conformed to the image of Christ without his hand upon us, interrupting our fleshly persuasions? We're not going to grow without his help, including discipline. And at the same time, thank God, he never gives us more than we can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He never gives us more than we can handle. So even that discipline, which was really painful and uncomfortable for me a month ago, it wasn't something I couldn't handle. He got me through it. And out the other side came goodness. And what's great, though, is that we can't predict him. We don't know what he's going to do. We think we know what God's going to do in our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've been proven wrong. Saying, oh, I think God's going to do this for me in so many years. Or I think this is how he's going to discipline me if I need it. Right? So arrogant. And then he does it in a totally different way that you could never have imagined. God really does work in mysterious ways and in unpredictable ways so that you and I can't get arrogant and that, so that he surprises us in certain ways so that we know it's from him <laughs> because it couldn't have happened any other way. And my prayer in this series is that God shows us the priceless value and the good fruit of family discipline from our Heavenly Father, from our pastor, from our anyone in godly authority position, uh, even regular authority, all, all authorities from God, we all need discipline. And I hope he shows you to believe it as a good thing, to actually look forward to it and receive it humbly when you have to instead of putting up your defenses when you're corrected or something, right? We all need correction. We're idiots. The Bible calls us sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animal on the planet. Was that a coincidence? Sheep are the only animal that can't find water on their own. Duh, right? The only animal that can't find water on their own, as far as I know. So God's like, okay, do you get the illustration yet? You will need correction. Please receive it so that I can grow you up into this awesome believer, bringing me glory. So on the board, we're talking about the right perspective on discipline or of discipline. When it's time for you to receive discipline from God or from his appointed authorities, humbly receive it for what it is, something good, something you need. As Hebrews 12 tells us, it's not going to be comfortable. It'll even be painful at times. But look at the point on the board. And we're going to see this in Hebrews 12 again. Humbly receive it for what it is. Something good and something you need. I hope you all grab onto that principle in your hearts and you accept it. Our main passage is going to be Hebrews 12, which is a wonderful passage that we went through a few weeks ago, talking about this topic. And also, Pastor taught a series from it in 2018. It was called The Peaceful Fruit of Righteousness. 
And that is our goal or God's goal in our lives, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So here's the thing, and I'm just sharing personally. When I learned it last time in Bible class, it was academic to me. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. Great passage, right? Great concept, beautiful promises. Now it's much more than academic to me. It's been applied to my life. Painfully, but powerfully and wonderfully. And I'm so thankful. And God wants you all to hear this perspective to take benefit from my failures. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. And I'm really happy that I can share this with you and have you learn from my uh, lessons. So on the board, family discipline applied. Our father has shown me an unfaithful, selfish sinner that he loves me enough to knock me around and show me the truth about myself. Let's face it. We don't really like to look in the mirror and examine ourselves. We'd rather look in the mirror and then go away quickly so we don't have to remember. Right? Like James talked about. We don't want to look in the mirror and examine ourselves. Say, oh, that's ugly about me. Oh, I, if I really stop and think about it, I don't want to, but okay, I'm going to stop thinking about it. I am that way. Oh. And someone, a good friend, you always hinted it to you to try to get the point to you. And now because you're prayerfully considering it, the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you. You know what? You are that way. And that's okay. We all are horrible in some areas of our lives. We're all off. But it's when we humbly admit it that God can do something about it and, and change us, even do miraculous things. So again, the point on the board, as we begin to close, our Father has shown me an unfaithful, selfish sinner, that he loves me enough to knock me around and show me the truth about myself. And that is very freeing because then you get to, when you see the truth about yourself, then you get to repent. You get to go to God in humility and say, oh, I can't do this, Lord. Change me. I'm sorry. Change me. I need your help. I didn't realize it. He loves me so much, he doesn't want me to remain deceived in any area of my life. And it's the same for you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay deceived about any little area of your life. And so it might require this beautiful thing called discipline. So let's read our main passage in this series, which we will continue again on Thursday. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 3. Hebrews 12, verse 3. So let's see what the Holy Spirit says to us about this passage this time and combine it with our experiences in life. Try to keep the big picture in mind. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resi resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, Jesus did re resist to the point of shedding his blood. You haven't, so stop complaining. How can we, we grow weary when he didn't grow weary and he went through with it? In verse 5, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Notice it's called an exhortation. What's that? That's an encouragement. That's a building up. Have you forgotten the exhortation or the encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate, sons, illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. 
Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? That means obey. That means submit. Should we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, God the Father, disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. That is a mind blow to me. What do you mean, share his holiness? Well, I don't know, honestly, what that means. But I know he says it, and it's a promise. We, listen, you could say you know what that means academically. We don't know what that means spiritually and what it means to be holy like him. But he says that's why he disciplines us for our good so that we can share his holiness. We have no business sharing his holiness. And yet he offers us this, this to us on a platter if we would just follow him and receive the word implanted with humility. And then he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Amen, I can say to that. Seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We all need the training, everybody. I almost said kids, because we are God's kids. We all need the training, kids. We all need that lump on the head that we end up adoring after the pain because he saved us from the cliff. You know what I mean? Does any of us not need this guidance to be trained by it? And then look at verse 12. Here's more encouragement. Therefore, do you remember this? We went over this a few weeks ago. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. You see how our free will is involved in this? In other words, turn around, repent, get on the path again. Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame in you we all have lame parts. What is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And that is another main point of this lesson on discipline, on the board. The good from discipline. You heard it correct. The good from discipline. God's plan includes training us and healing us and that takes discipline at times because we don't see our blind spots but God does can you think of someone in your life that has a certain weakness in a certain area but they don't see it you're, you're right now you're thinking of several people right because we love to judge by the way can you think of people in your life that have a weakness in a certain area, but they don't see it? You see it. Others see it, but they don't see it in themselves, right? Hmm. My friends, that's all of us. That's you, and that's me. We all have some areas in our lives like this that are weaknesses that we don't see, and it takes faithful friends and faithful fathers to point them out to us. Do you know your blind spots? Are you going to sit here and say, I know my blind spots? Isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> you don't know your blind spots or they wouldn't be called blind spots. So someone has to show you what you don't see behind your head. You know, you don't have eyes behind your head. So you have a problem behind your head, let's say, behind you. It's really part of you that you're not looking at, that you can't see. And someone faithful friend is going to put his hand on your shoulder and say, can I show you something? You've got to wake up in this area. And it might even be by means of discipline, by an authority, or by God himself. And you know what? It is good. Because when you see a blind spot, then you're, you're set free. You're like, oh, okay. That hurt, but wow, I didn't see that. You know, thank you. So in other words, as we close this message, remain 
humble always, and God will work out all things for good in your life. Because remaining humble is really tantamount to loving God. Remain humble and let God accept God's promises that He's going he's gonna to grow you and complete the good work in you. The Spirit is going to have us spend some time on this passage in Hebrews on Thursday in a little bit more detail. But for now, He's pointing out to us that one main benefit of being disciplined is to be trained and to be healed by it. Do you see the goodness in your life that God is targeting? God wants true goodness in our lives. And it's all for our benefit and our growth and our peace. He wants us to possess His peace and share His holiness. None of us live perfectly, and therefore the need for faithful discipline from a loving Father. It's funny how we all want God's peace, but we don't want to submit to Him. So we need help from a faithful Father. I'm going to close with this one point on the board. And, and hopefully, I want you to go home and think about this, and, and we're going to talk more about this on Thursday. The good from discipline. The Spirit wants us to see discipline as a very good thing. In fact, as something that brings us relief. As something that brings us relief. That may or may not make sense to you. It may make some sense to you, but just think about that. What is the Holy Spirit trying to say to us? The Spirit wants us to see discipline as a very good thing. We know that. But in fact, He wants it, us to see it as something that brings us relief. So we'll get into that more on Thursday evening. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness and Your love and the guidance of your spirit and your word. And we also thank you, Father, for your discipline, which we all need at times, because you love us so terribly, and you want us to grow up into a honorable man or woman, child of the King, so that we have no regrets when we see you face to face. Father, open our minds and our hearts. Help us to really see and understand these things and believe them and to receive them as the word implanted in our own souls. Father, we ask your blessing to be upon all of us in this congregation as we go out and bring your word to a lost and dying world that needs it so desperately. We ask all these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you.